How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homeland. Things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com. All eyes and no sight. Poisonous bunchback toad. The soul of this man is his clothes. Beetle-headed, flap-eared knave. Anointed sovereign of sighs and groans. Hello and welcome to Strutting and Fretting, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Today we're having fun with Jordan O'Neill and Kristen Malashevsky talking about their epic web series, Fable Town. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I've, um, I feel like I'm totally privileged and like I, I've made it now. I have a level of success <laughs> to arrived. the point where, where I mean, this is only episode four. Um, but I've gotten to see your pilot, which a ton of other people have, I mean, no one else not involved with it, I assume has seen this thing yet. No, so I'm like the first one who does not have a direct connection. First one outside to the series. Yeah. I don't even know if my family has seen, I don't know if my parents have even watched it. So yeah, (laughs) I'm on a level above your parents. (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Uh, but that was like the 17th time I've watched it. So I'm just so sick of it. No, I, I, no, I totally understand. When I did a show in college, it was like, Oh my God, can I stop watching this thing? Yeah. I could recite the whole thing. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Um, but yeah, I've now I've watched the pilot. I can't wait to see more. I am, I am truly intrigued by this. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a real big fairy tale person. Sure. Um, so I don't, I don't immediately recognize the characters, right? but I can follow it enough that it's like, okay, I'm intrigued and I want to know more. Um, but for our listening audience, who obviously has not had the privilege that I've had. Not yet. What what can you tell us? What what can you do to pitch this series to us? Oh, okay. Yeah, like um so we've pitched it um when I originally pitched it to my uh associate producer is now our co-director Gabriela Anez. I pitched it as I want to do something um having already played The Wolf Among Us and read some of the fables which this is inspired by and takes place in the same world of I pitched it to her as this is once upon a time meets True Detective. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you so took it, maybe the plot of True Detective and you threw in the Once Upon a Time sort of cast of characters. That's the best way to kind of think of it as, I guess, tone-wise. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, how much... What can you tell us about the characters that are actually in it? Can oh, you, yeah, can yeah, you, yeah, Can you let us know yeah. which... Which, yeah. which fairy tales are referenced? Yeah, so the premise, the whole thing is that the fairy tale characters you know and love that we all grew up with, whether it was the Disney versions or the um, Brothers Grimm versions or what have you, they all um, had to leave their homelands and their fairy tale world, and now they all live in hiding in plain sight in New York City, looking like us, dealing with the same problems we do. Uh, so our story picks up with... Um, Really, uh, Beast is the first character you see as, as you watched on the screen, mm-hmm. and he's heading home from work, 
and somehow, some way, he is spotted what appears in what appears to be his beastly form. Now, the the conundrum there is that we all know the fairy tale beauty breaks beast curse. He becomes a prince at right. the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So that's the other kind of twist and plot point we have going on. Why him, and how did that happen? Uh, um, but okay. yeah, the other characters are Deputy Mayor Snow White. Um, we meet her in the pilot with Briar Rose, who we all know is Sleeping Beauty, and Cinderella. And they're all just having girl time, drinking wine, and they're all talking trash about their mutual ex-husband, Prince Charming. That's one of my favorite <laughs> aspects of this whole thing is that it all <laughs> is together. And so, yeah, a lot of quest- a question people have been asking is, like, are they aware of each other? Yes, it's one community. All the mm. characters are aware of each other. But there's some differences where the big bad wolf is not the big bad wolf that you know. Um, yeah. We meet Mowgli in the pilot, who's another uh, great character played by Anil Sekaramanchi. Um, am I leaving anybody out? Who am I forgetting? Uh, oh, Beauty right here to my left. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she just raised her hand. I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, Beauty oh, wow. played by Kristen and oh, uh, yeah. Boy Blue. Yeah. Little okay. Boy Blue. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's that's cool. So sorry about um, that, Kristen. So, um, you've kind of already answered some of this question for me. Sure. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway because this sounds cool and, and a tiny bit like the Once Upon a Time and True Detective. How is it? How is it different from those? I mean, you, I guess. I mean, I kind of already know because of seen right. it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, why why does this stand out? This this particular version of I guess these um, characters, these yeah. these fairy tale characters. Well, the interesting thing about one once upon a time was that uh, Disney and ABC had actually auctioned the rights to create a fables television show. This was, I mean, going on seven or eight years ago. And then they, I think that someone at Disney just had this light bulb moment of like, well, we have all these cartoon animated movies of these fairy tales that we own and we don't have to license. Let's just make a show around that. So if you've seen Once Upon a Time, uh, I love the show for its um, aspects of its connection to Lost. It had a very similar tone near the beginning. Mm. It kind of lost me a few seasons in, but uh, this is not, uh, this is definitely not your Disney show. Like there is, as you've seen, there's some. There's some strong language in it. There's some uh, innuendo that goes on. So there's differences in that. But this is um, how it's different than those other two shows. Uh, most crime shows, I think, deal with... It's usually like the, always the go-to, I think. We, we get a lot of murder. We get a lot of mm-hmm. murder mysteries. Yeah. This was... And um, that's what The Wolf Among Us is. And we allude to that in our opening uh, text, is that The Wolf Among Us dealt with a lot of murders that happened. And a lot of fables died. So I had this idea of like, I don't know what it was that grabbed me or what I was watching, but I want to do something like a vice story mm-hmm. and, but replacing drugs with like magic or anti-magic and just the oh. freedom to play with that kind of aspect. And that's cool. I thought that was, thank you. Yeah. I thought that was a nice way to take it. And the other thing is that I just don't understand why no one's really, uh, is at least in the fan fiction world, uh, or the film world, I should say is no one's ever just tried to play in this world a little bit. Even though mm-hmm. that's what we're doing, we're just gonna, you know, it's gonna be on YouTube. It's gonna be free for the masses to watch. We just need help getting there. Okay, that sounds cool. And 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 what drove you to create a web series specifically, not like maybe a movie with these characters or mm-hmm. um, what, yeah. what? 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 What was the? I guess the, why the, the driving force behind that? Choosing the format. Yeah. Um, it started, I think, back in 2015. Chris and I were doing Three Musketeers and. I'd been with my agency in Houston for about a year and I was just, I wasn't booking parts. I wasn't getting auditions that I wanted, you know, and there's mm-hmm. just for at least people, 
uh, in our age group, there's just not a lot of material out there, at least that's like worth chasing down sometimes or that you even get a shot at. And I realized, well, here I am complaining with a degree in directing and screenwriting that I should do something. And I just played The Wolf Among Us um, and it blew me away. It's a like a point and click adventure game where you play as the big bad wolf. Okay. And so I thought, okay, let's just, let's get back into screenwriting. Let's just, let's adapt the game like into a screenplay format. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is getting tedious. Okay. Let's adapt the comics into something. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of float around, like what if they did like a film adaptation of the wolf among us? I'm like, well, that's just silly. Like it's, no one wants to watch that. And so I started having these ideas of that vice thing came into play. Mm-hmm. And the idea of how fun would it be to just play in this world and to bring characters that are, in fables that weren't in the wolf among us and right. to what if we just tried to bridge the gap um between the two entities and we got just to have fun with it yeah and that was i think the thought process so by the end of three musketeers i at least had started the rough drafts of maybe three of the six episodes it was five episodes but then episode mm-hmm. five was about 40 pages sure. so i was like yeah. we're gonna split this guy into two right uh, but the wolf among us is separated into five episodes so i think that's really where that format okay. uh, it's Similar in that regard. So okay. Well, I yeah. did that not I, quite answer your question. Well, no, it it, it did. Um, I was just like I'm coming back to a point that you made um, just a, a minute ago. It's like sure. He's like, how, you know, how do they make a you know a script out of a, a game because nobody'd want to watch that? And then I think to myself, oh my god, they've they've made Battleship. So I mean, <laughs> true, you know, okay. it's, it could be you know there are worse ideas out there, but oh, I'm sure. but I'm glad that yours cascaded into um, you know this fusion of the the game and also um, you know the 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 fairy tale sort of background right. which and if i could here's the difference yeah. no one wants to watch a movie of a game because of how interactive it is sure you need something new mm-hmm. and my start with this is i had not yet heard about any of these things that uh, the inspiration comes from my interpretation of this i got to start from just an audition a blank slate where you're looking at it not as knowing this is based on a fairy tale world Here's here are your audition sides. You're auditioning for a character named Betty. Mm-hmm. Her husband has been accused of a crime. He's not guilty of it. Go. There was just this raw naturalness to it. Mm-hmm. So to find out at that point in that life that this is what's happening instead, there was just all this suspense and there were these twists and things that we got to find out. I remember at the very first read-through getting to different pages, the dramatic turns, and going... <gasps> Whoa! And the the hands are everywhere, and the faces are. It's it's a very cool memory, and I like to tell that story a lot because that's how we knew we had something different mm-hmm. worth yeah. adding. There's not something that's being, I guess, repeated or even rehashed here. It is very um, unique to us. And I think that's always a re- really cool, um, not necessarily challenge uh, for an actor, but um, uh, just um, how we take something that an audience would consider a genre piece, like, you know, uh, fantasy or science fiction or something like that. But right. as actors, we don't really have to even process the genre part of it. Right. We just, we go, okay, these are the characters and these are their problems. And we just treat them for real, whether, you know, we are dealing with people who are, you know, engaged um, in, you know, some sort of crime or whether they've got telekinesis or, you know, you know uh, whatever 
abilities they have, you just you have to take them on board as just real everyday life for these people. And and I always I always I always find that cool from an actor's perspective because I mean if you're doing it right, you don't even you don't even process the genre part of it. So mm-hmm. I mean that that's cool. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I yeah that's what I got out of what you just said. That was yeah. cool. She's right. We kept the cast in the dark because we were just afraid of getting Disney auditions. Right. If you told the characters. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was oh, the so that. yeah, and you had no idea of coming into it at all. Oh, that's. No. Oh, that's, we offered that's the part. Fine. We said, uh, "Do you want this?" I think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't it like, "Do you want this?" Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Well, here's who you're really playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. And awesome. nobody laughed in my face, so it was like, "Okay, let's keep going." This clearly isn't yeah. such a bad idea yet. That that's fantastic. More like, huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that is fantastic. Oh gosh. Um, so Jordan, um, yes. you're not just executive producer and writer, oh, no. <laughs> but you are also directing and acting in this series yes. as well. Can you tell me a little bit about your character specifically? Yeah. Um, so Bigby Wolf, the big bad wolf. Um, I just I don't know what it was. Uh, the funny I'll tell you this funny anecdote first. Um, I was not going to be in this thing. I was going to just <laughs> direct this. And I actually wanted to be the villain if I was going to play anybody because I'm like, okay, he's a smaller role. It's I easier. think that's where you were when you actually talked to me very, very. It probably was. About I was it. like, yeah, I'm going to be this. When guy. we were in Midsummer together, but it's go probably on. true. Yeah, but. yeah. And then um, my co-director, we were. She was hosting. It was at her apartment complex. We had a conference room. She was um, also casting her feature film, and okay. she knew I wanted to read that for that, and so she tricked me. I was reading with all these actors for my project. And for some reason I just had was glazing over the words at this point. Mm-hmm. So she calls me in and, and Gabriella says, okay, I want you to do this. Like here, it's, this is for my project. She took my dialogue and put it in her character's names on it and tricked me into reading for Bigby. And I, halfway way, I realized what I'm doing. So uh-huh. I'm like, well, you know, the show must go on. Let's keep reading. Let's keep going for yeah, it. And, she, okay. and I'm like, why would you do that to me? She goes, cause I can tell you want it. So do you want it? I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course I want it, but like I don't know if I'm the, I'm not gonna cast myself. She's like, well, I'm casting you there. We're done. Moving on. So that's uh, how that happened. That is fantastic. But yeah, Bigby is um he's so I love him because he's just so I love when we get these characters that you, we think we know and we turn them on their heads. Mm-hmm. And really, if you go back to even like Little Red Riding Hood or the Three Little Pigs, the base motive for him is he's just hungry. He's an animal. Yeah, there's not really this. Uh, malevolence to him that we kind of associate with him. Right. And he's got such a tragic backstory of like losing his mother and like being half his father's in the North wind. His mother was a wolf mm-hmm. and that's where he gets his huff and puff powers from the North wind. Um, but he's one of those guys, he's the run of the litter, even though he's the, he didn't start out as the big bad wolf. Yeah. And in the comics, and this isn't a spoiler cause you can read it and whatnot, but um, for some reason he, his, Nose and his scent, that's the strongest sense. And for some reason, when he got a whiff of Snow White, he couldn't always pick out her scent and he couldn't get it out of his head. Oh. And she's the one that brought him over to this world. She cut him with a dagger that gives him sort of werewolf power so he can just assume human form to fit in. And he's always a human whenever you see him. Right. But to me, it's always the story with him. It's just this constant redemption because Beauty and Beast and everyone, he's the big bad wolf. He was a monster. He killed for sport. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, what's the road back like? Even though his motives are pure. Then he wants to protect these people. Maybe he doesn't know how to do it in right. the most humanistic and moral way. So when we find him in the pilot, 
Um, the end of The Wolf Among Us sort of alludes to he's going after another lead. And it's very mm-hmm. ambiguous where that left off. So I decided we're going to jump two years and he hasn't been around. Mm-hmm. And we've gone back to that lone wolf. And so how do you bring a lone wolf back into the fray and bring him back to the pack? Even if, because maybe they don't want him back. Yeah. And I always like starting like the first, I, I always like starting a pilot in the middle of the story. Because mm-hmm. it just like, yeah, there's no good way. To introduce characters, except to just jump right into it. Yeah, something has to happen. Um, and that I, I find that that's always, I don't know. Those are always the most entertaining and like the least wooden of the pilots. Mm-hmm. You know, for for you know whenever I'm watching television. So yeah, sure. it's like like I said before. I mean, I'm not as familiar with you know the sort of fable characters, right? Um, but I I appreciate that I. I have to be intelligent enough to actually pay attention and want want to know, you know, enough about, you want to know what comes next and and learn about them. No, no, no. It was, it was cool. Um, So you have a co-director. Yes. Gabriela Anez. Yeah. Um, And, and the, that was kind of my, my next question is like directing yourself can be difficult. Oh, so, oh, and, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've got somebody to be objective mm, like yeah. that. But what, what's it like working with, you know, a co-director like that? Um, it's one of those things where I really had to just, if I know she's there, like the day we did, um, my first scene that you saw in the pilot, um, I walked on that set and I told her first the day before I was like, look, I'm not making any decisions. So if the crew comes to me, they need to come to you instead. I need to show up as just the actor because mm-hmm. I'm not George Clooney. I can't just you know switch my brain on and off between the roles on set at the same time and direct myself. Right. So it's it's really good to have that safety net of so I don't have to be. I can just focus on the actor in front of me and yeah. I can just focus on them and react to them. I'm not. I don't have to like do the chameleon thing where you're watching with one eye of the other eyes, like looking at the monitor to make sure you know the yeah. story is being told. So splitting up that responsibility was a lot. I don't think I could have. I told her up front, I think, when she said, you're going to be in it. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. Be the only director. It's just not how my and brain I wouldn't, works. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I were in your shoes, I wouldn't want to do it either. Right. And and I think it's better to actually have another pair of eyes and someone who's got skills to direct. I mean, you know, um, I don't know if Kenneth Branagh still does it. When he's know. making a movie, but I know that when when I was reading him directing Much Ado About Nothing, every scene that he was in was basically directed by somebody else. And I mean, you know, this is like he'd tell that person, "This is kind of what I want to see," right? But, um, you know, there was somebody else on the monitor checking him and and you know making sure that they got the right take and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, Kristen, tell me a little bit about beauty. What can you tell me? I can tell you a couple things. Okay. <laughs> um, sharing before, um, my first brush with the character mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the the cliche and the, the, the background of Beauty and the Beast. It was, here's this woman. Um, she's married. She has a husband. He's accused of a crime. Mm-hmm. And you know he's not guilty. And you also have this secret knowledge to why he couldn't be. And she has to balance her wanting to protect him um, with not saying too much. Uh, there was, even at the very first brush, there was this, there's something extra here. 
Um, so on top of that, when you when you find out more about the the Fable Town, the Fables version of Beauty, um, she is a married woman. But on top of that, she's one of the only people who has been married to the same person for thousands of years. Unlike some oh, of the okay. other royalty, like we say, Prince Charming is a, a serial. Monogamous womanizer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Um, they're the only ones who have stayed married, and there's mm-hmm. the joke is there's thousands of years of baggage with that. Right. But there's dedication too, and he, you know, they have a history of once being royalty, of knowing what it was like to rule and be waited on and have servants, and now they just try to hold down a couple normal jobs if they can. They mm-hmm. want to. Have nice things. Um, maybe they get in trouble trying to get more money to give the other one what they think they deserve. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, Beast might say, my wife shouldn't work. And she might say, well, I'm going to do this no matter what you think. And it's so relatable. These are things that yeah. today couples deal with. Just like, how do I manage this partnership and also, you know, stay true to the person, the, the people we have always been. Okay. And 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 I'm my, maybe you can't answer this because mm-hmm. um, of NDAs or whatever. Um, but um, like, how well do these characters integrate? You, you say you set them in New York City yes. in plain sight. Um, you know how how well do they maintain uh, being hidden in plain sight? How well how well. Can you and what I mean? I, I can't speak. No, but that's a good this question. is this is um, this. I think this is actually one of the main differences between your show and Once Upon a Time because they're all in their like little storybook environment, and right. everybody knows everybody else, and everybody has this secret identity, but it's not really secret because everybody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they can't escape or something for some reason, if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> season one, I think. But, um, you know, you, your characters are, are basically in the real world. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, I think that's more of a risk storytelling wise, but it's also, it, it could reap more rewards potentially when these characters have to interact right. with normal sort of everyday human beings. And some of the biggest risk comes from the head on collision with the magical elements and what they call the mundane or the Mundies. Okay. That those are normal people. Okay. In their in their slang. Sure. Their They're like muggles. Got yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they are. Um, so some of them pass better than others. Some of them don't need magic to help them pass. Um, so say Beauty and Beast, she always looked human. His spell was broken thousands of years ago. Everybody knows how. They seem to do okay. They get by. There's something, like you look at them, they look normal, even appealing. Um, but others, yeah, they need magical help or... They just, they have something within them. They've got some kind of trauma from the past, not only like of the story we know, but the trauma of having to leave that world. It was, there was war, there was nonsense that they had to deal with. Um, So some of them pass better than others. And that's part of the story. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see more of it. Um, But um, sadly, 
there's a possibility I won't see any more of it if <laughs> if if certain things don't happen. So my my uh, we haven't actually talked anything about this yet, but um, currently there is an Indiegogo campaign. Yes, for this show. Um, can you tell me what you're raising money for? How much you're raising money? Yeah. What the deadline is? Yeah. Um, we initially set the goal at a lofty $40,000 and that's always been a dream goal, but we can definitely do this thing for 20 or even maybe 15, um, at least for production that the money's going, uh, to, um, you know, the crew is, this is what they do for a living. And actually mm-hmm. every crew member, I, ha- I can't applaud them enough. Uh, Charlie Pierce is our director of photography and mm-hmm. he honest to God is the guy never complains and what you saw in the pilot, that's just what he shot. That's just how he does things. And so yeah. that stuff looks amazing to it, me it's already. Fantastic. That's yeah. before we even do any post-production stuff. So he, and so he's worth every penny. And I told him, Charlie, I, this is going to be a tight budget. Can you do it for this much? And he said, without hesitation, you got it. I want to see where this goes. He's taking a reduced rate. And this oh, guy wow. is just worth every penny. And because so, he's interested in this. Story. Yeah. And so the uh, Colton Constanzo, who was the assistant cameraman and also edited the pilot, he's taking a reduced rate. Mariana, who's uh, Gonzalez, who's our gaffer, they're taking a reduced rate. Like everybody's doing that so that this vision can come together. And that was a hard thing for me to ask these people because I mean, the actors, I mean, no one got paid for the pilot. Right. Um, we're hoping to pay them a little bit if we can. But the reason we need this money is the rental equipment. Is it sure. rentals? It costs money, and this is going to be. A, we think we can do it in about twenty days. Twenty day shoot. Oh wow! Realistically, okay. if we and can this shoot is how many episodes in twenty days? Uh, we're going to shoot episodes two through six. Okay. So it, we're basically shooting it like it's a feature film, schedule wise. Mm-hmm. Right. Just okay. to shoot efficiently by location. Um, but I want these crew members, even though they're taking a reduced rate, they got to pay rent. You know, mm-hmm. they got to feed the dog. They got. Yeah, I mean, the their time on. is worth something. Yeah. They and could be. You know, while they're busy shooting for these 20 days, they could be doing something else that makes money. Yeah. So we did our first scene. um, Charlie, even I'll tell you this. Charlie said, like, I told him, hey, we got to put green screen outside these windows because that's a backyard. But we need to look like a New York skyline. He goes, I've never done green screen. We'll give it a try. He showed up that day on Mm -hmm. set. First I had ever met the guy. Yeah, man, I just shot a commercial with Kevin Durant. It was only on green screen. So I got this. No problem. So, I mean, like, that's just who he is. I mean, he just there's not a problem he can't overcome. He'll never tell you something was bad. It's always his favorite phrase. And he might kill me for letting this out. But it's always Charlie. How is that? You know, we learned a lot on that one. Um, we're going to go again, but we learned a lot. Well, that's fantastic. Well, that's that's great, especially doing that for the first time, because green screen yeah. is not easy to light oh, it's, properly. Oh, it's Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, okay, so you've got that goal, and, mm-hmm. I, you know, we're recording this on... Friday, 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 May 18th, yes. and you know, hopefully I'll have this done wrapped up in a couple days like tomorrow or the next day but um your deadline is when it's technically set to close on june 7th okay. we do have an option possibly of extending it and the reason we're thinking about that if they'll let us is mm-hmm. because we're going to keep posting updates but if we extend it and we still start shooting around june 7th yeah the updates are going to become behind the scenes videos so you guys are going oh, okay. to get to see what we're doing um i mean obviously there's a certain image from the pilot that you saw of a certain mm-hmm. character that we haven't released with right. certain reasons. Yeah, um, got it. But yeah, well, you know, without giving things away, we have there's two. Well, let me count. There's four characters you haven't met yet. Yeah, that need right. to show up, and okay. um, these are actually characters that aren't in the Wolf Among Us, and they're not in Fables. Sure, uh, I got to create my own versions of them for this. Uh, thank God for free use on some of these stories <laughs> that are out there. 
but yeah. Okay. So we wish, you know, we can get it done, but we just need a little help getting there. And the rewards are great. So check those out if you make a donation. Yeah. And that's how Indiegogo works. My understanding is that there's tiers that you yes. could um, donate to. And depending on which tier you're looking at, you can get different rewards mm-hmm. and right. thank that you. That level and, stuff. and whatever might be below it. Right? And, yes, yes. that's okay. correct. And then also my understanding is if you reach half your goal, like 20,000, right? Yeah. Something special happens then. Yes, if we can reach this goal, um, the pilot's going online. It's going up for free. Everybody gets to watch it immediately before we even starts shooting the pilots. And then we're talking about not the version you got to watch. We're right. talking about the finished, Bra- polished the one. Polished po- the polished version, yes. Uh, Bri- I have to mention Brian Satterwhite, who's our brilliant composer, who's mm-hmm. agreed to do this for a reduced rate. And this guy's been like an award nominated for documentaries, and oh, it's wow. just a killer soundtrack. He really. He created almost themes in about a month for each character. So there's like, I think Native American flute that's going to be in Bigby stuff because yeah. it alludes to wolves. Um, mm-hmm. I think snow is a little heavier on the piano. Beast gets a lot of like synth, and it's he's trying to mix that fairy tale with like that vice, um, wow. like 80s kind of synth sound. Okay. And, yeah, it's gonna be. So it sounds like there's a there's a possibility of a soundtrack CD at some point. Yeah, that's <laughs> well. one of one of the rewards is you get the score. Yeah, if okay. you're doing it enough, you'll get the entire score of the entire season. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. That that's really cool. Okay. Um then now we're getting to a point in the show which I like to call the Fretworthy Five. Fret right, 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 worthy right, right, five. Okay. Um, okay. And and I don't know. Have you have you guys been listening to this at all? Or yeah. So Kristen's maybe familiar. Or listen to your last one. I don't remember this though. What oh, you I? don't remember the fretworthy five. I don't. Okay. All right. So um, hang on. I've got all these papers. I was probably just so focused like on the Aaron Sorkin stuff and the stuff you guys have been doing on stage <laughs> that I just wasn't. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Go back to the play. That's cool. Okay. So the fretworthy five is basically, and I'm not even going to read off the paper because it's very tedious the way I read it. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, But basically, this is where I ask you like five random questions. Okay. And um, here's the here's the deal: is like if they're if they're weird, bizarre questions, or you don't have an answer, you can say pass. Okay. And I just go to the next one. And it's got a spoiler answer or something. And and, and, no, 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 no. This, as I said, they're like really random. They have nothing to do with the rest of the show. Okay. At all. but basically, I if you you can keep passing until we finally get to five. <laughs> okay, you have to answer five. You I have to. An- I, I will stop asking annoying questions when we get to five. Have you prepped like dozens of questions? Yes, I have. I have, oh, I have like at back. least a whole page. So, um, and and basically, these are for both of you. Okay. So, um, I mean, you know, I mean, I suppose you could tag one. Okay, tag you. Tag you. you pass the question. <laughs> But yeah, so if both of you can't answer it, that's a pass. Oh, I see. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if we both pass, somebody gets a point? Oh, um, the points? Um, <laughs> well, a demerit, actually, because oh, I mean, oh. you know, that's a question you didn't ask. Oh. Answer. Oh. I, it's like no, golf. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I, I'm just doing this for fun. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. I will win. You, okay. <laughs> you heard it here. We're just doing this for fun, but Kristen's going to turn it into a competition. Oh, Beauty is sure. in it to win it. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> and this is very topical for when we're recording this. Okay, so... Okay. Um, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, an actress I've actually never heard of prior to the news breaking that they're getting married, but, um, yep. uh, they're getting married in a few hours, literally from recording this. Aww. 
like, you know, it's going to be like two in the morning for us. But um, <laughs> if you two were married into the royal family and you could choose anywhere you like, but you have to agree on it, um, you would be Duke and Duchess of blank. Okay. Of a place? Uh, it could be any. You guys have to agree on oh, it. As if we were both married. Yes. Royal. Okay, okay. Yes. Duke and uh, Duchess of. Oh man, where, where would you want to be? Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you, did you say of cheese? <laughs> Duke and Duchess of cheese. I'm okay with that. I think cheddar is an actual place. Oh man. But. Um, Duke and Duchess of, of cheddar. Cheddar. <laughs> If if you say it that way every time during our reign, then I'm cool with that. Yeah, oh, okay. totally. I All totally right. agree. If that's the royal pronunciation, cheddar. Yes. Cheddar. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> one down, and we learn something new about ourselves every day. Yeah. Uh, if someone else becomes lactose intolerant, then it's a problem. Kristen is turning a very special shade of red. I just we learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Char- Char- Charlie's gonna kill me. <laughs> okay. Um, also, sort of an English, um, a weird sort of English lit question, but not really. Um, here we go. Basil Rathbone, Jeremy Brett, Robert Downey Jr. Basil Rathbone. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Do you not know Basil Rathbone? I, I know those last two. I don't think I've ever heard those words together. Basil Rathbone. This okay. was a real English actor. Okay. okay. He was very big in like the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, or Johnny Lee Miller, mm-hmm. who was the best Sherlock Holmes? Oh, man, that's tough. Mm, I wasn't paying enough attention. Okay, so. I was too tickled yeah. about. Okay, Mr. so Rathbone. Basil Rathbone, Jeremy Brett, Robert Downey Jr., Benedict Cumberbatch, or Johnny Lee Miller? And and I guess if you don't know the first two, you could just pass. Right. It might not. I, yeah, I think I don't it's know the first two. only fair if I do pass because I don't I don't feel educated enough about this. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I would pass too. I've seen about for two I'm and a half of those. <laughs> okay, so I would pass for multiple reasons <laughs> <laughs> outside of not knowing the names. Okay, fair enough. Um, what is your favorite holiday and why? thinking you, you want to go first yeah. um oh it's it's thanksgiving are you kidding me oh absolutely it's it's based around food is that not the most american answer i could give uh but yeah no it's i've always enjoyed it i've always it's a nice the temperature is nice that's uh there's a dog show on tv there's football on tv there's you gather with family and you just get to eat i mean there's less pressure like there's no gift giving there's no like mm-hmm. setting up something it's just i don't know i've always found thanksgiving more relaxing Okay. So, yeah, that's my answer, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the prep is the prep is not fun. I'll tell you that. But I mean, then the wine comes out, and then we all have a good time. So, oh yeah. well, yeah. That's yeah. that's always. Helpful. Yeah, it's about the actual like act of enjoying it, not the prep, I guess. But yeah. okay. That is a nice answer because I also like food. <laughs> True words. Kristen's going to steal that answer because she likes food. She Hi. is the Duchess of Cheddar. She is the Duchess of Cheddar. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> no, that's cool. Is that is that what you're going to go with Thanksgiving as well? I mean, it's that's cool. I think so. Do you have anything to add as far as? Well, uh, to to be more uh, personal, the past couple of Thanksgivings I've had, I kind of took them over. It's uh, just going through the oh, the tradition okay. of like I'm gonna I'm gonna bake something. I don't like um, handling cooking raw meat, but I'm gonna bake a bird. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna make four pumpkin pies. Wow. I'm gonna make Jello because like you just you go through this phase. You're like 
it is so much work and it's all yes. or nothing. Yeah. So I usually, I make an abundance of food mm-hmm. for three people True. and then we eat it forever. <laughs> and I'm proud of that. I'm proud oh, of that. Yeah, we have, my, my family, we have, we have small holidays uh-huh. and I guess it's just kind of reclaiming like I can still do everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and it's, it can still be fun. Okay. Do you guys have big families or, or? I come from uh, big families, but we're kind of secluded from that, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's my mom, my brother, and me. Okay. Yeah. Mine's like, I think there's four in the main. My parents, uh, my brother, and myself. And then I've got, my mom's got two brothers, and then my dad's got uh, a, a sister, mm-hmm. her husband, a brother, his wife, and then I've only got two cousins, technically. Oh, so, man. yeah, it's, that's I mean, that's, I come from a clan well, of Malachesians. Right, yeah. The, I don't know what it is, but... Um, O'Neill's, there are not a lot of us. Maybe it's like, I don't know, the potato famine or something took out a lot of <laughs> oh, no. the Irish. I have no clue what happened. Uh, and then my mom's Native American, so you know how that went. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, All right. That's that's cool. It, it's a you can, a manageable number, I, sh- I guess. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's cool. Uh, what is the last fiction book you read that you enjoyed? I don't uh, feel good about my answer. <laughs> I've I've been reading so many scripts. I don't read for fun very much anymore. Oh, I get it. It makes me sad to say that. I used to be such a bookworm. Oh no. I read the dictionary for fun. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. What's the last fiction book that you remember reading? That was good. I think my answer might clue you in. I think I know what your answer is. What? The last the fictional thing I read was the last volume of Fables. That okay. was the very end of Fables. I finally, I finally finished it. It's, it's, it's true, though, because, I mean, since then I've read a few uh, uh, biographies or, like, I read, mm-hmm. like, an American history or about the Revolutionary War, you know, okay. which is more nerdy. But, yeah, the end of cool. Fables, I finally wrapped it up. Cool. cool. What invention do you wish had not been invented? A regretful invention? A regretful, yes. <laughs> Something that really should not be in the world. Oh, no. Twitter. <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, oh, I don't know. I might pass. <laughs> All right. No, I don't know. I think Twitter kind of works. Or I could think of like some yeah. device Honestly. of torture. Like, let's not have that. No. That's fair. Okay. That's, that's fine. Again, Twitter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, hold on. No, I did that one. But please follow Fable Town on Twitter at, at Fable Town Series. <laughs> it's better when you are there. Uh-huh. True. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a sl- good slogan for something. Uh, All right. What would you do with your life if the arts didn't exist? Oh my. Oh man. I don't know. <clears throat> I'd uh, I'd be a sad. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> like, do you mean like all of the arts? How how broad are if we If you speaking? could not be an actor, okay. I would what, be a what would you do? In the woods. Okay. I would live in a cabin. You live in the cabin in the and woods. It, it would be painting. my. I would I would be channeling. What is it exactly? I'm in that mindset. The giver. Where it's like I see color. No one else sees color. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me okay. and my color. <laughs> I have a very um, passionate love for history, so I think I'd probably. I'd probably end up being in New Orleans at the World War II Museum, being some kind of tour guide or oh, some kind okay. of historian. I think that's where I'd end up. I don't know if a museum counts as the arts no, or not too much. It's, if, it's, if it's history, I guess I think not. it'll work. Yeah, then yeah, somewhere in history, maybe even a history teacher. Okay. Possibly. I could see that. Because, I mean, I mean, that is kind of a cheat answer because that's kind of performing. 
teachers have to act wow. every single day. But yeah, yeah. I suppose so. But um, I don't know. For me, it'd probably be astrophysicist or something. Oh but, wow! Nice. Um, not that I have. Uh, thank God I'm an actor because I suck at math. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I don't know. That was that was sort of my childhood ambitions. Is, oh wow! Is, is is either do that or or be in some sort of or be Stephen Hawking, basically. There you go. Um, anyway, you guys have survived the fretworthy five. So oh, we did it. Just show, see, it wasn't so bad. No, yeah. no, no, no. That was fun. <laughs> We're going to take a pause for a bit. After the break, we'll talk about filmmaking in Houston and the contrast. Uh, in contrast, Kristen and Jordan's acting experiences both on stage and screen. You're listening to Strutting and Fretting, and we'll be right back. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. The things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com. Welcome back to Strutting and Fretting. I am talking with actors and, and the showrunner of the upcoming web series Fable Town. Um, so I just to get into your backgrounds a bit, um, why acting and when did you start? Oh, I see. I guess that's Take it away, Kristen. Yeah, ladies sure. first. <laughs> uh, I don't know. For me, I I had been in things that could be considered theatrical for most of my life, but I picked up theater like headlong and ran into it when I was 12, 13. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's cute little stories. You're like, oh, I, I really like dancing, always like making things up and little performances, but I think everyone goes through phases of that for attention, but mm -hmm. the concept of like, what is acting? What is telling a story? What is getting over stage fright? Um, what is singing in public? That that world of mm -hmm. wanting to do all that happened when I was like 12, 13. Okay. And I just mm, haven't stopped. I've stayed um, local and worked in Houston theater. Really like the kinds of places... Um, if I could drop some names, uh, stage work, someone was Houston Family Arts Center. Um, like, I was with them from the beginning, from their inception. Oh, wow. Okay. And then just being able to, like, stay, like, in the building with those people. It's really close to my heart, getting to teach classes, getting to choreograph for the kids, direct for kids, teaching classes now and then, directing, stage managing. All of a sudden, I'm wearing all the hats I can. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. That's cool. How long have you been a choreographer? Um, the first show I choreographed was what? My first... 2014. Since okay. 2014, um, I was a, an intern for the summer camps at that time. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Happy to do that for you. And it just became this thing that didn't stop. And I enjoy it immensely. Sometimes I even feel that when it comes to musical productions, the choreographer gets to decide more than the director what the show looks like. Oh, yeah. In terms of coming up with pictures, um, it's really cool. It's really cool. And it's <laughs> through working with some people 
that your audience has already heard, such as Amy Barnes, mm -hmm. super inspired by the way she approaches choreography. Right. Um, I've worked with some really good people, and it's being able to remember being a younger theater student that makes me want to do it. Right. Because it just it left that impression on me. That's cool. Thanks. Jordan? Uh, yeah, I think film was always my passion for my kid. I remember the first movie that blew my mind, I think, was I was six years old, mm -hmm. and I went to my friend's house, and I wasn't supposed to watch it, but I did anyway, and it was Jurassic Park, and it completely just blew my oh, yeah. mind because I was so in love with dinosaurs, and then I realized, like, people made this thing. Yeah. So I was like, I want to make these things, but, like, I want to be the guy that's running away from the dinosaur as well, and I... <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish I had Kristen's experience of like just jumping headlong into it at such a young age because I think the only outlets I did a few plays at Playhouse 1960 when I was I think in elementary school I did yeah at least two or three mm -hmm. but then when I got into junior high and even high school like the people who were running our theater programs at my schools were not supportive they were very I always heard from the people they were like it was a very critical group to be in and interesting which is very at odds I think when you're trying to teach a kid how to be vulnerable and how yeah. to like share themselves with the world. Mm -hmm. So I really kind of almost fought against it until I think it was high school. I was in the broadcast journalism organization and our long terms at the end of semesters were do whatever you want. And so I made short films and I was in them. Mm -hmm. And I think as we can all attest to that, uh, it sounds so cliche and corny and I apologize, but acting kind of chooses you. Like you can't yeah. fight it at a certain point. You just have to give into it and do it. Even right. and it, even it, you can be the best or you can be the worst at it. And it really doesn't matter as long as you're doing it and you love it. But yeah, once I got into, uh, when I got into the university of Texas, I started pursuing film, but then I double majored in theater and okay. been trying to do kind of everything ever since. And here we are. Okay. Well, now that you've, you've got that sort of, um, <laughs> I don't know why this phrase came into my head. Dual tool belt. It sounds yeah. terrible. <laughs> no, it sounds like it's, a Batman. That's it's awesome. Like, or, or a porn film. I'm oh, not man. really sure what. But, oh, um, <laughs> Different strokes. But, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where the world don't move to the beat. Just Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, talk to me about um, a little bit about uh, stage versus film acting. Uh, yes. you've, you're, you guys are versed in both, <laughs> uh, to, you know, to some degree. Um, I mean, like maybe, uh, maybe Jordan's a little more film and, and Kristen's a little more theater, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just your experiences, uh, as far as meeting those challenges. Yeah. Uh, okay. Take it away, Krista. Yeah. Gladly. So I think um, when I was really getting what I would call uh, my second wind with theater, mm -hmm. uh, getting a little bit older, getting a little bit more confident, approaching a different age group where I was given character types I'd never been given before. Because I have a very young look. There was definitely like a, a shift around 2015, around the time when I happened to meet Jordan O'Neill in... Um, Three Musketeers, and all the other shows I got to do that year, including a show we did later that year, Lend Me a Tenor. Mm -hmm. um, it was the first time I had been given more outlandishly crazy or silly or even like sexual characters, yeah. just like mm -hmm. different kinds of roles. And it was so interesting to me. And through that year, I learned like just, and fighting the musical theater background too, it's like, 
bigger is better. And I always thought I was doing a really good job if my face was always like super movement everywhere. If, if you took mm -hmm. a picture of me and I didn't look silly, I'm like, oh, I wasn't acting hard enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Like, like uh, it should be a bad motion shot because I'm always like, I don't know. Um, so also just maturing past that, learning that I could that those are farcical choices and then there's smaller realer choices yeah. and there's 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 a range to me you can figure it out Kristen um, <laughs> <laughs> being able to uh, be handed um, audition material uh, that someone I know is writing mm -hmm. and look, look at this try this out the the stillness the smallness yeah. of um, film even like trying to consider that I was scared of it, yeah. but I had a very good um, piece of advice, which was just uh, film or theater. You should be recognized as a real human person mm -hmm. at their heart. They're not that different. Right. And you can, you should be able to be directed, maybe pushed toward um, largeness or smallness, but at their heart, they're really the sim the similar, <laughs> I guess right. is what I'm, trying to say yeah and i mean I'll, I'll give her this credit i think it's better to go from theater to film because i didn't my philosophy with directing is uh get a good script get a good cast and just get the hell out of the way and so i didn't have to direct <laughs> i don't remember i don't even remember giving you any notes on the day i think if it was anything i'm like okay well maybe uh pick up his hand after this like it was like all technical stuff you know yeah. it was always like well let's see how that looks it was never like i hate calling it like notes but it's like i adjust things or it's like hey i have an idea why don't you try it this way and i mean Kristen did a great job as well as the rest of our cast i started doing film acting um when i started doing those short films in high school and i pursued it there i did a little bit of theater at ut while i was there just because that's you know if you want to major in acting you got to do theater but like Kristen was saying with three musketeers that was the first time <laughs> to this day, I'm like, why did you guys cast me as one of the Musketeers uh, based on what I was doing? Uh, I guess because, I mean, when you're auditioning, um, it's in a smaller room where we were, so right. the film stuff was working. But I remember just freezing the first rehearsal where they go, now say this out to the audience. And I was like, but the other actor's right there. Why, why would I turn out to the audience? So it was oh, a yeah. weird thing to learn. You have to play to this other character yeah. that is the crowd sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, one of our castmates in that production Kiara she gave me like three private lessons in theater okay. acting as right. we were working on it so I think that was so I mean Kristen's not the only theater actor we have in Fable Town I sure. think Emma Van Laren Lair comes from theater mm -hmm. um, who, who am I forgetting uh, JT Fisher comes from theater Justin White comes from theater but they're all they were also good in their auditions and right. hers was just a tape audition I have to point that out it wasn't like she was in the room talking to me she put oh, herself yeah. on tape so that was that blinking red light so yeah it's impressive to see people okay. who are in theater it's much easier i think to say do less do less do less yeah. versus my case where it was like okay you gotta start living out a little more man you're this little meek mouse i need you yeah. to be big and yeah. loud and own it you gotta be you gotta play to the back of the room yeah mm -hmm. exactly that was my experience with it though no that's that, that's cool looking at it from uh from those different perspectives for sure because it's like it, it like Kristen says it's 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 two sides of the same coin but yes um it's kind of interesting how you both have sort of um reverse perspectives on it, it <laughs> a little bit yeah. it's like you guys yin and yang very well they just meet in the middle <clears throat> yeah 
Uh, High five. <laughs> Pass and go. Is there one that's like more of a passion for either of you? Or, um, I mean, it would be predictably film for you, uh, Jordan, and, and, yeah. and theater for Kristen. But is, is. What I do get to say is my film experience hasn't reached much past Fable Town at this time. Okay. But. Uh, you know, leading up to where we are now, I haven't just been able to be cast in the project. I helped dress the sets. I helped dress the props. Mm. I was an editor. I got to work the slate. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So there have been other small things. It's like, I, I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, what can I pick up? Right. So the transition helps when you understand the moving pieces. Right. Um, so theater is amazing to me and I think I'll always do it, always love it because it is such a group effort. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just that feeling you get when everyone's together working really hard and there's a closeness that comes from, I guess the repetition of theater, mm -hmm. you know, that you're going to, everyone's going to show up. You're going to do this together. You're going to start at the beginning, go through to the end. Um, so the, the aspects of film where you might skip around or you'll do something a hundred different times but the one you're keeping was somewhere in there and the rest yeah. is just in the ether like that's who knows? that's that's different yeah, yeah for sure but it's good that you're um you're finding an opportunity to uh, basically pick up all these mm -hmm. skills um and you know uh, find out like the sort of inner workings of filmmaking. There's a lot of, oh, it's they're, been they're different animals mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, there's, you know, um, a lot of hurry up and wait <laughs> in, um, <clears throat> in filmmaking to be sure. And, and, and all these different pieces that you really, uh, or different components and techniques of doing things that you don't have on stage. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's 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 kind of both a blessing and a curse um in that yeah you can uh do things over and over and over again to get things right and exactly the way you want it but also it's just sort of odd being an actor that shoots out a sequence and right. gets mm -hmm. plucked from one scene to something next the one next day one of my hardest um like milestones on my actor journey mm -hmm. has been the concept of consistency. Yeah. It has been knowing what a moment should be, what, what my ego says was good mm -hmm. and wanting to do that. Say cry on cue, sound exactly like this, hit the dance step exactly the same every single night. Right. You know, chasing consistency and like the freedom of film where you can just do it again. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, sure, there might be uh, other factors in the take where you, maybe it's like super complicated and, well, we'd like to not do it again. Yeah, time is a factor. Technically, you could. Like, mm -hmm. if everybody wants it right, you could do it again. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And with uh, our crew that we have for this project, the names that Jordan dropped, they are so phenomenal. It was like, wow, hands to face kind of. <laughs> <laughs> did a Macaulay there. That yep. was funny. <laughs> they are awesome You're that's right. yeah. that's cool so i i hijacked that jordan didn't answer well, no 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 what was, the, what was the question uh, you know what, was, what, what, you what are you more passionate about or you oh, know but i mean oh you, i think it's it's hard to just say i mean 
film. I mean, obviously, there's more money in film if you're talking like commercials and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> sure. I've done theater now. Like I've done five shows, and what's funny is Kristen's been in every one of them. I think it's just in my unspoken contract at this point. Like I want to do it if she's involved. Uh, That's I think that I have is more funny. I didn't passion know that. about the format that gives you better camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky that you know because in theater you better get along because you're with these guys for three months or whatever sometimes right. and then maybe a fourth if the show runs a bit long um, yeah. with, and sometimes I mean <laughs> um, the guy who plays Anil who plays Mowgli he never saw any of the other cast members except me except he saw Kristen I think Kristen was helping out running the slate mm-hmm. but he just hasn't met the other cast members oh, he has no idea who they are what they look like outside of our Facebook group or anything yeah. um, but it, it's I think it's I'm more passionate about Whatever is more fun in the moment, what you're working on, and then mm. if you've got a just solid group with you, it's it's so hard to choose. And I know it's not a it's no, a it's a cheap answer. It's it's but, fine. No, I mean yeah. as an actor, I totally get it. Um, sure, you know there's there's um, a certain camaraderie that you absolutely get with a, a really good group mm-hmm. with a really good cast in theater, and then, but you're right. After four months, it's sort of over. Um, and you hope you get to work with these people again, and you're lucky if you do, but it'll yeah. never be in that same sort of configuration. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, and, and that's, that's kind of the sort of weird existential thing about theater is, is like, it's, it's temporary art. Yeah. You know, you get to do it for a certain period of time. And then after that, it's gone forever. Yeah. And if you missed it, you missed it. Um, <laughs> but you know, with, uh, film, I mean, the, 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 depending on how you're shooting it, I mean, uh, the scene you just described where, where your actor didn't really meet anybody else yet, um, <clears throat> is not always, um, and maybe this is just because it's a web series or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, if you have a long running TV series, yeah, you better get along with these people because you're going to oh, yeah. be with them for like seven years. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they will replace you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, there's that too, but you know. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's now time for what we're going to call the cold read strut. Cold Reed Strut. Oh my. Um, <clears throat> now, I... I should have stretched before this. You should have stretched, yeah. Okay, so uh, before we go, our, our, my listening audience already knows what the hell we're about to do. Um, <laughs> but before we go into this, if you're listening and have any ideas for the future Cold Reed Struts, and this includes our listeners in Norway and Edinburgh, yeah, uh, please message me on our Strutting and Fretting Facebook page at facebook.com slash fretme. Give me your name, how to pronounce it, your cold read strut idea, and where you're from. And I don't promise to use your idea, but if I like it, I will. <laughs> and I'll mention your name in the podcast. So um, now that that little blurb's over, um, yeah. I know both of you as castmates from yes. previous Shakespeare plays that we've all performed in. Oh, yeah, it's all been Shakespeare. That's right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and uh, Kristen has actually played Juliet in at least two separate productions of R.J. Yep. It's just two, right? Well, three by reprising the second one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, and 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 I, I, I don't know if you guys have gotten this far in your listening or previous episodes of the podcast, but we've been using sh- scenes from Shakespeare 
for the dreaded cold read strat. Do you oh. and I have to kiss again? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is just reading. Oh, fair enough. Sorry. And, and Sorry. it's a it's it's an it's an audio environment. So right. so they'll never know. I mean, we could just say that we did. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. Anyway, um, but because the three of us have had this distinct relationship with the bard, I felt it was time to do something truly special for this segment and avoid Shakespeare entirely. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Uh, So, so surprise. Um, Tonight, uh, we're going with a really bad cutting of Red Riding Hood as translated from Grimm's Fairy Tales. Oh no! Listen, children. <laughs> and to make it to make it fun, and and for the first time, I will actually play wrong. So, um, <clears throat> Kristen, I am going to give you uh, uh, the wolf and mother. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I see where this is going now. <laughs> and Jordan, I'm going to give you red. Yeah, you are. All right. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I can't play the big bad wolf. All and the time, right? yeah, right. And oh, so boring. And uh, you know, feel free to do whatever you need to do with your voices. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I am. I am. You know, we're just having fun. If I ever make a reel, can I put this on it? Uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, it's up to you. Thank you. Um, so here we go. I'm just. I'm not going to give you guys any prep time at all. Just um, we're going to go right into it. Okay. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother, and there was nothing that she would not have given to the child. Once she gave her a little cap of red velvet, which suited her so well that she would never wear anything else, so she was always called Little Red Cap. One day, her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Cap. Here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak, and they will do her good. Set out before it gets hot, and when you are going, walk nicely and quietly, and do not run off the path, or you may fall and break the bottle, and then your grandmother will get nothing. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say, Good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. I will take great care, said Little Red Cap to her mother, and gave her hand on it. The grandmother lived out in the wood, half a league from the village, and just as Little Red Cap entered the wood, a wolf met her. Red Cap did not know what a wicked creature he was, and was not at all afraid of him. Good day, Little Red Cap. (laughs) Good day. Little Red Cap, said he. Thank you kindly, Wolf. Whither away so early, Little Red Cap? To my grandmother's. What have you got in your apron? Cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandmother is to have something good to make her stronger. Where does your grandmother live, Little Red Cap? A good quarter of a league farther on in the wood. Her house stands under the three large oak trees. The nut trees are just below. You surely must know it, replied Little Red Cap. The wolf thought to himself, What a tender young creature. (laughs) (laughs) Puppy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What a a nice, plump mouthful. Jordan's having spasms. <laughs> uh, our listening audience can't see this, but I felt, you know, it was probably best to know that. <clears throat> she will be better to eat than the old woman. 
I must act craftily so as to catch both. So he walked for a short time by the side of Little Redcap, and then he said, See, Little Redcap, how pretty the flowers are about here. Why do you not look around? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly the little birds are singing. You walk gravely along as if you were going to school, while everything else out here in the wood is merry. Little Redcap raised her eyes, and when she saw the sunbeams dancing here and there through the trees, and little pretty flowers growing everywhere, she thought, Suppose I take Grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her, too. It's so... It is so early in the day that I shall still get there in good time. And so she ran from the path into the wood to look for flowers. And whenever she had picked one, she fancied that she saw a still prettier one further on, and ran after it, and got deeper and deeper into the wood. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight into the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who is there? Little Redcap, replied the wolf. She is bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Lift the latch, called out the grandmother. I am too weak and cannot get up. The wolf lifted the latch and the door sprang open, and without saying a word, he went straight to the grandmother's bed and devoured her. And then he put on her clothes, dressed himself in her cap, laid himself in bed, and drew the curtains. Little Redcap, however, had been running about picking flowers, and when she had gathered so many that she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother and set out on the way to her. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open, and when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, Oh dear, how uneasy I feel today, and at other times... I like being with Grandmother so much, she called out. Good morning, but received no answer. So she went to the bed and drew back the curtains. There lay her grandmother with her cap pulled far over her face and looking very strange. Oh, Grandmother, she said. What big ears you have. The better to hear you with, my child, was the reply. But, Grandmother, what big eyes you have, she said. The better to see you with, my dear. Oh, it's me. But, Grandmother, what large hands you have. The better to hug you with. Oh, but, Grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. The better to eat you with. And scarcely had the wolf said this. Then with one bound, he was out of bed and swallowed up Redcap. The end. Oh, man. <laughs> well, actually not. I, I shortened it a bit, so oh, yeah. there's, no hunts, there's no huntsman that uh, cuts apart the wolf to save people. Redcap? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, my God. It was so hard. I was like, do I go high pitch or just like, yeah, grandmother, here I am. Like, it was, no. A choice had to be made. Yeah, you were committed. Yeah. Nice. It's like once you actually go over the deep voice a little, I gotta go. I missed that. It was as deep as I could muster. Right? It's good. No. Oh my god. That was fun. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, um, good job. Well done. Very pleasant narrator voice. Oh, thank you yeah. very much. I, unlike you guys, I actually had some prep time. Uh, True. <laughs> I didn't have a nice man. That was great.
Okay. Uh, so, um, but as long as we're on um, the subject of, of things that um, I've interviewed people and, and we've, we've played this game before. Um, so Kristen, two episodes ago, my guest was, was Sean K. Thompson. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and, and as our listening audience knows, uh, he and I have both played Paris to your Juliet in separate productions. Yeah. <laughs> and now I have to ask you to settle our debate once and for all. <laughs> really? Which Paris was creepier? 70s disco Paris or Civil War hairlip Paris? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. If, if we're pro-con columning... Hair choice alone. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> You're a really strong contender, and oh, you knew it. You. you knew it. Yeah. That's why it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was a thing. And I think it's so interesting. I'm, I'm stalling. You're stalling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to kick you out of the house if... if... <laughs> If it's Sean, it's fine. Right, I think I can accept it's, Sean it's, being it's creepier fair to than say, me. I think yeah. Sean delighted in the creep he could create. Yeah, I mean, there were there, unlike in our production. Yeah, um, really, truly, like if the if the whistle didn't happen that disturbed him and let him know that someone was coming, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh Like it would have gotten real. Not. PG friendly in that poor gravesite. He he oh his God. character it would he would like spray like something into his mouth uh-huh. and you could just tell in his head he heard like saxophones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe I missed this production. I've only seen you, Tim's. I've not seen Sean Paris. Oh my God. He was disco? What does that mean? Like, how was he disco? Wasn't he, wasn't, wasn't yes. he set in a club in the so, 70s? Yeah, you know? the, the, like, the benefit you have with Shakespeare not mm-hmm. being owned by certain, like, uh, there are no rights you have to deal with. Right. People tend to set it in different time periods, they just right. play around. So yeah, our production was. Set was he in like a it's basically the Studio Fifty Four. Studio Fifty Four ish, mm-hmm. and we the the ball where everyone meets in Romeo and Juliet, fall in love. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a disco. <laughs> <laughs> what was Sean we like did wearing? the hustle. Was he like uh, oh the hustle? Oh, and, awesome. And uh, he slicked his hair real back. <laughs> he had it in this like awful little ponytail, and he had. Fake plastic noisy bling, and his shirt was buttoned open, and he was just everything about him was like greasy <laughs> in character. What a word. Um, That's tough to beat. Uh, time yeah, it's okay. But is well, there I mean, a like, winner there for I, who's creepier? Is I, there a real winner? Well, so I'm, I'm actually kind of glad it's not me. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, think I mean, it, like the creepiest thing I did to you, I think, was I think the last. Our last exchange was I sniffed your hair. Yeah. I smelled your hair. You did. You got a good for a whiff. Prolonged <laughs> moment. You got a good whiff. And then left, and it was just ugh. like you creeped yourself out a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but which is why it was I think right. a good choice because mm-hmm. like I was uncomfortable doing. It. <laughs> I, I think maybe the 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 interesting thing comes in where. In the audience's perspective, would they think Paris was such a wrong choice? Yeah. And 
I think Sean did everything in his power to make everyone's alarm go, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. So Paris, your, your Paris was the war hero of his own story. Sure. Uh, Sean was just gross trying to get it greasy yeah okay <laughs> fair enough okay that was my educated opinion all right i'm sorry it's i'm cool. sorry no it's fine um <laughs> i'm having a good time but um i i'm i'm more or less out of questions so um is there anything else you want to talk about as far as this show, uh, you know, Fable Town? Is there anything that um, we may have forgotten to mention in the first half? Marcus uh, Schneider. Yeah. He's, uh, he works for the React YouTube channel, and he's just, uh, he did he created our whole title sequence oh, cool. off of emails. I yeah. just gave him specific instructions, and he just came up with that. I was like, yeah, man, I want to, well, you guys have seen the logo, but it's actually mm. a neon sign. Yeah. So look forward to that when the pilot drops. Uh, yeah, the guy's just he did it in like three days, and I mean, he's just yeah, he's a talented dude. He knows what his stuff. Um, basically, I mean, if we're just gonna wrap it up about Table Town, it's uh, it's just I'm so happy. It's been three years in the works. This has mm-hmm. been my passion project. It's like we were talking about acting. How like it won't let you go. The Table Town would not let me go. So many yeah. times I wanted to just I can't do this. It can't be done. I'm not the one to bring it. I can't do all this work. I can't do all the jobs, but it won't let me go. And it's that little voice going, yes, you can. Now get up out of bed, you know, or get off of your butt and go do it. Just right. make it happen. Yeah. Um, and that's a testament also to our cast, who is just brilliant um, for sticking with it so long. Um, I know they're ready to get this story told, um, but we do need help with it. Um, I'm sure you recognized a few familiar faces. I think Emma. Yeah, was, Emma Van Lair, who yeah, I miss God. a lot. Yeah, mm. who's out in San Francisco. She'll be coming back to Yay! play Snow White. Yeah, I would not do this the rest of the show without her. She That's is, cool. Um, yeah. yeah. She's a force to be reckoned with. You'll she better see. call me when she's here because I need to talk. Yeah. yeah. I miss her. I mean, you got a sneak preview. <laughs> you got a sneak preview, but in episode two, I mean, it opens with us just doing verbal sparring. And I mean, sure. I don't know if you guys have ever done one of those scenes, but it's one of those things like... And, I took Brad Pitt's like acting advice. Like you want to try to win every scene. I lost to Emma every single yeah. take. She, she does schooled that. me. She's awesome. I'm like, who wrote this? I'm like, and I wrote myself. I mean, I know I yeah. wrote it, so I wrote myself to lose. But I mean, man, she just wiped the floor with me in the verbal sparring match we have. So I'm looking she's, forward to that. We have formidable. We have great twists and turns mm-hmm. coming up um, with this villain. And there's two more seasons in mind. I see where the story goes. I know. Um, the characters that we're bringing in. I know who lives and who dies along the way. Okay. I know um, who tells the story. And who tells your story. <laughs> yes. To, to quote, bring it into Hamilton, I guess. Oh. Uh, yeah. So yeah, get, just go to fabletownseries.com. Check out our rewards. Um, any donation, the lowest donation amount is $10. If anything, just help us do this. Help us tell the story with this incredible, local, diverse cast and crew. Okay. And the hashtag that we keep using is no more happily ever after. Okay. All right. Well, um, okay. So that wraps it up. Uh, so uh, like everybody already knows, Jordan O'Neill and Kristen uh, Malachewski is both star in the upcoming web series Fable Town, which needs your help. Um, once again, their Indiegogo is at fabletownseries.com. Also, if you can't donate but still want to help, please share their video, like Jordan said, with the hashtag no more happily ever after. 
and because it's my show and I'm gonna plug myself too, I also dropped the fact that you can see me in Stageworks production of A Few Good Men. Our production opens Friday, June 8th and runs weekends through July 1st. Tickets are already on sale at stageworkshouston.org and you can use the coupon JAG, that's J-A-G as in Judge Advocate General. You can save $8 off any adult ticket at checkout. Thanks again for guys, you guys for spending your Friday night with me and playing Absolutely. games and stuff. That was yeah. cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Strutting and Fretting, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. Our theme music is by Ben Miller. Part of this episode was written by the Brothers Grimm. Uh, speaking <laughs> to you from Studio E42, I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the cheap seats. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fabletown. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fabletown was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. Things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fabletown could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fabletown. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com.